How are we all today? Uh, okay, yes, that, that says everything. <laughs> what a great response. How was your week? Uh, mine was amazing. Uh, to be honest, it was very busy, but I saw signs and wonders. We, we had um, a great friend from Turkey. When we went to, uh, to visit them in April, uh, she came over here, and we had her for a week. We said, this is why you shouldn't have notes. Uh, and we had an amazing time. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. <laughs> Always servant. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. So yeah, we, uh, we had an amazing week. We saw uh, people being healed. Um, we saw two people coming to Christ, and it was just amazing. So I've got all the reasons to be joyful. Uh, but then some of you might think, well, I don't. But let me assure you, you do. Because if you know Jesus Christ, every day is a celebration. The Bible says rejoice, and I tell you, rejoice. It's not when you see things that you like. It's not when things happen and when things are going great and smoothly that you can rejoice. It's every day and every single second because Jesus Christ paid it all for us. So, who was here last week for the baptisms? Wasn't it fantastic to hear people giving testimony as how, to Je how Jesus has changed their lives. I love hearing testimonies because there's, they're just live. This is real story. We had people coming to Christ, how Jesus took their bondage away, how Jesus broke the chains in their lives, and they came and declared it, and then they got baptized because they believed in Jesus and they had received his teachings. Uh, we have many people here giving testimony, and one of the ones was Mehdi. Uh, he was the longest, and he spoke for about 10 minutes or so, and then he started singing and all that, and he had this as his note. <laughs> I'm going to keep these until I see Jesus face to face, because it's just amazing. I wonder how long it would have gone uh, if he had an A4 page. But it was just great to see people telling us uh, how Jesus has changed their lives, how they, they're in love with him, and how they want to declare it publicly, that they belong to him and carry on living with him. Right, so as you may know, uh, we digressed a bit slightly, but that's typical of me. Uh, we, as you may know, we're studying the Gospel of Mark, and today we're in chapter 3 of this Gospel. Uh, before I re read uh, this, the, the, this part of Scripture, because uh, we were talking about baptisms and testimonies and seeing people coming to Christ, some of you may wonder, well, how do I know Jesus loves me? Some of you might think, well, yes, this has happened to, to the people who came and gave testimony, but what about me? How do I know he loves me? Um, some of you might have heard this uh, from Paul Woodward, one of the Salvation Army songs. Um, culturally, we listen to people who are older. Not that Paul is old, but then we also take them in and we try to memorize them because this is wisdom, and particularly when it's from godly people. Here, I, I, I remember this where, it says, uh, where Paul once quoted this song and said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And it's always in my mind. We know Jesus loves us because the Bible tells us. Yeah. Because we read it in here. 
And I recommend that if you haven't, if you haven't read it, start reading it. Because this tells us that God loves us so much that he gave his only son. And not only that, you can experience him in your life. It's not just something that we read and we say, what a great story. It's something that can happen in our lives. So if you haven't accepted Jesus, if you don't know him yet, open your hearts to him. Because he's alive. He's not just a fair, he's in a fairy tale. He's not just in a book that sounds good. He is alive. So the Bible tells us, and we know that, Jesus wasn't just this good guy who came and lived 2,000 years ago and taught people to love one another and healed a few sick people and some signs and wonders and then died. He was more than that. Jesus was God walking on this earth. He came and lived on this earth for you and me. He healed the sick. He was crucified for you and I. His blood was shed, but he went even further than that. He didn't just stay on the cross. He burst through the ground. And he is alive today. And that's why he can hear us. And that's why if you welcome him in your lives, he will come because he is alive. And he will come into your lives. It's all you need to do is just invite him and welcome him in. Right. Let's get to the passage. Mark chapter 3, verses 20 to 35. Um, if you've got your Bibles, please uh, turn to this part of the scripture. If you haven't, uh, I'd like to know why. But <laughs> the words will be projected on the screen. So Mark 3, 20 to 35. Then he went home, and a crowd gathered again, so that they couldn't even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He's out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons he cast out demons. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods, unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man, and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying, he has an unclean spirit. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother, my sister, and mother. Amen. I happen to be preaching on the chapter where it talks about demons. I don't know whether God is trying to tell me something or... <laughs> Right, we read in this chapter that a great crowd were following Jesus. Well, we're not surprised, it's typical. Because he was different. And as we read in the earlier chapters, he was different from the people that were teaching people in, in those times. He had authority, and people felt it. People knew that he has authority, people knew that he is different. So they followed him, that he couldn't even eat. 
I wouldn't be able to do that. Uh, some people followed him for different reasons. Some of them went and followed him because they enjoyed his sermons, because his words were great and it spoke to their hearts and they liked it. Some went because they were sick and they needed healing. So they went to cling on Jesus and receive that healing. Some of them went to criticize him, to pick on him. So they were listening to him carefully, not out of a good heart, but they were listening to him carefully so that they could pick on the words that he was saying, so that later on they could say, this man is not of God. Because in their hearts, they didn't want him as the Messiah. Perhaps they were too afraid that this guy was the Messiah. In their hearts, they knew the word of God, but they, they couldn't identify him as the Messiah because they were waiting for somebody so different, somebody who was great, muscular, somebody who would come and seek a revolution rather than healing the sick and hanging around with sinners and hanging around with tax collectors. They didn't want that sort of guy. So they came and listened carefully to him, word by word. And every time they had a chance, they would criticize him. But some of the people went, to, went after him because they thought, well, here's the new star. We need an autograph or we just need to, uh, to take a photo with him because he's different. He's just come, he's a new man. He's got some new teachings and we might as well just hang around with him and see what he has. Um, what's interesting is that the crowd that were following Jesus in this chapter are the same crowd that will ask for his crucifixion at the end. So the, peop the same people who went and just exalted him and went with him and didn't even let Jesus to eat some food are the same people who said, we want him crucified, we want Barabbas to be freed, we want this guy who's a murderer to be freed, set into our town, and we want him, Jesus, to be crucified. Why? Because he blasphemes against God. Jesus knew too well not to base his life upon the words of people. He knew their hearts. He knew that it would change minute by minute. He knew that they were after him just to see more signs and wonders. So he didn't base his life on their words. But rather, he knew why he came to this earth. He came to do the will of God. He, he came because he was concerned about you and me about you and me and our eternity. He came and did something great so that we could have eternal life. And this is what I want to encourage you today. Not to base your lives on the words of people around you. People might follow you. Some of you might have already experienced this. You have something great, something extraordinary, something that's different, and people will come after you. But do not base your lives on their praise. Because praise and worship is only due to God, to our King. He is the one who is worthy of our praise. And people, sooner or later, some of them will change their hearts. And Jesus knew that. Especially with our young people, I want to encourage you to base your lives on the Word of God and not the culture around us. I'm looking to this end because we have lots of students, but we have lots of young people in this room. <laughs> so I want to encourage you not to base your lives on what people expect of you, but rather base it on the Word of God. The culture today tells us that we, might, we need to become like other people so that we can be accepted. So when you go to your universities, when you go to college, when you go to your workplace, 
you probably need to behave in the same way as your colleagues so that you, you wouldn't feel left out. But Jesus is not that way. Jesus is out of the box. Our God is not limited to our thinking. He's not limited. We can't put him in a box. We can't say, we expect you to behave this way. But rather, we've got to let ourselves free and say, here I am, now you do the work in me. So don't worry and don't be afraid to be different. If you see a sick, pray for them, as Jesus did. This is not what the culture teaches us, I guess anywhere in the world, but this is what the Bible tells us. And this is what Jesus did when he was walking on the earth. And he did this because he had the authority, and we have the authority because he passed on his authority to us. He said that all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, so now I'm sending you to go and make disciples. So be people who are expectant, have expectations, as we heard this morning. Are we expecting God to do great things? Amen. We are expecting him to do great things. Signs and wonders and miracles are not of us, it's of him. But we are his ambassadors. He's doing it through us. He's honored us by accepting us into his kingdom. And now we've felt his love. We can't just contain it. So if you happen to go to work, to university, college or wherever, and if you see a sick person, don't just show compassion as other people would do. Show compassion, but then offer to pray for them. Because it's through the prayer that God will work. It's amazing that we, we read in the first uh, part of this chapter that even oh. Jesus' family thought that he's insane. <laughs> they thought that, well, he's out of his mind. This guy's gone crazy. He's probably spent too much time studying or he's probably spent too much time uh, doing the, the stuff he does. He's not normal. He's not a normal guy. They had pity on him, probably. They came to take him away because he was probably bringing shame on them. Oh, he's, oh, he's just bringing shame on us because he's behaving odd. He's an, he's an odd person. And he's saying all this stuff. And he's not responsible for them. All of us are. Because in that culture, if you do something, it's not only you that is affected. It's not individualistic. It's the whole community. And his whole family. But it's, thought he's insane, this guy's gone mad, we better go and get him and just lock him somewhere in a room or just chain him into the house so that he doesn't bring shame on us. His family couldn't understand what he was saying. Well, they're not the only people, but they thought he's gone crazy. Uh, the scribes said he's working with Satan. He's the agent of Satan, that's why he's casting out demons. So we can identify a similarity between these two. Jesus' family and the scribes, they both had a similar point. They both thought that this guy is crazy. They, in reality, should have been the ones who knew that Jesus is the Messiah. Because his family would spend more time with him. And also the scribes had, had read the book. They knew what the book says about the Messiah. But then they didn't want to believe it. His family didn't want to believe that this guy is the Messiah. No, he's just acting weird. He's just being weird. We, we, we don't want him as our Messiah. He's not acting normal. He's not being a normal person. Maybe his relative thought, well, he's the firstborn son, so what he really should be doing is looking after his mom, working, 
asking his mom to find him a good girl, as it was the culture at the time, marry her, have children, grow old, have grandchildren, and then when he's about to die, he's proud of his achievements. This is what his family thought. This is what a man in this sort of society would be expected to do. You go and find a work, you're working, you honor your family, you support them, then you marry and have children and grow old. These are all good things, but then not for Jesus. He came for something greater than that. He just didn't come to live on this earth. He, he came so that he could make salvation possible for you and I. If his family knew that, then they would force him to, to do it quicker. But they did, just didn't understand it because the expectations were cultural and based on what the society wants us to do. And it's the same. That's why I encourage the young people to go against the culture of the time. Sometimes you need to do so. Sometimes you learn good things of the culture, but sometimes you need to go against them. Sometimes you shouldn't just go with the flow because the expectations aren't holy all the time. The expectations aren't biblical all the time. This country has great inheritance biblically. Uh, God has risen many mighty men and women in this country who have gone beyond the borders to take the word of God. I'm grateful for God for raising people in this nation. And the reason I am able to read the Bible in my own language is that a guy from this country, Henry Martin, obeyed God, went to Iran, translated the New Testament for the first time into Farsi. Now we need to do the same thing. We need to obey God and go beyond the borders. We, we are privileged to have many nations here. And it's not by accident that we are here. God has brought us for, for reasons. We are here together to obey Him, to listen to Him, and in unity do the works of His kingdom. We need to go beyond the borders, but we need to be sent. We can't just go and wander off. You need to be sent. You need, you need God to go before you. And this is why... I'm grateful that I am here and this is my family because I know that God has lots of things for us to go, lots of breakthroughs to see as a family. And these are all going to happen when we obey God and when we ask Him for His presence and when we want Him to go before us and prepare the ground for us. Right. There are a few points in this chapter. Uh, I don't usually have points at the beginning, so I'll just make points as I go along. So the first thing was that the people who, shouldn't, who should have really known who Jesus was, didn't. And his family thought he's gone crazy. And then they were accusing him, the scribes, the people of the law, were accusing him that he, it's by the power of Satan that he's casting out demons. This raises the question of what or who are demons? Now the Bible tells us that before the creation of heaven and earth, that's before the creation of man and woman. God, who is uncreated, who is eternal, created angels to serve and to assist him in the work of creation, to obey him. A lead angel named Satan decides to rebel against God, decides that, okay, God is the king, but I want to be the king. So he rebels against him, and he has an army of angels who go after him and want to rebel against God. Obviously, there is a war, there is a battle, and we know who wins. 
our Father, our Heavenly Father. So the Satan is casted out of heaven, but then he takes the war on us. He doesn't just sit there and say, okay, I'm defeated. He takes the war on the creation, on the people who are created in the image of God. And he goes to our first fathers, uh, Adam and Eve, brings temptations, and then sin enters the world. And that's why there is destruction in the whole world, because of the obedience of our first parents to someone who wanted to be the king and who wanted to have all the praise and worship that was due only to God. So this is who demons are. Now, we shouldn't really be worried about who they are. We should be conscious, but we need to focus on Jesus rather than focusing on things that are not of him. We have a king, and we're going to focus on him, and we're going to be more like him rather than thinking around things that are not of him. Now, he will deal with them as they come against us because we are ambassadors of Christ, and the goal of the Satan is to scatter us around. His goal is to just get us one by one and scatter us. But what, whenever you feel that, just pray in Jesus' name and he has no choice but to go away. Because Jesus has authority, as we've seen and we've read and we've heard. That Jesus tells demons, he commands demons to go and they've, they've got no other option just to go. Uh, now they call, uh, call him also, uh, uh, they call Jesus that he has this authority because he's getting it from the prince Belzebul. Who was Belzebul? Now in this chapter he's referred to as the prince of demons. We also read about uh, Belzebub with B at the end rather than L in 2 Kings 1, 2 and 3 and he's referred to as a Philistine's god. So he is a god, but he's not really, because there's only one god. So again, Belzebul is trying to get all the attention, all the worship and praise from people. So what does Jesus do in reaction to their thinking? Because it's interesting that Jesus knew their hearts and their minds and calls them and talks to them. They're not even wondering, oh, how did he know what we're thinking? Because they were so stubborn. So Jesus calls them and tells them, come over here. Uh, He starts by telling them a parable. He likes doing that. Jesus was Jesus, so he knew their thoughts and hearts. So he initiates by asking a simple question, a very simple question. How can Satan cast out Satan? The answer is obvious. Why would two co-workers work against one another? Because it would just lead to destruction. People asked him, uh, people were thinking this because they weren't sure whether it's of God or of evil. So they were questioning that in his mind. They're not so sure, and that's why they're judging Jesus in their hearts. Whereas they're not in a position to judge Jesus. Jesus had and still has all the right to judge people. What about you? Are you still unsure who Jesus is? You've probably heard a lot about him if you've been coming to Jubilee. You know that we love him, we're passionate for him. You can see us singing songs, you can see us dancing around. When his name comes, we all shout and we clap and we love him. But you sometimes wonder, who is he? And I'm not sure whether he's a good man or whether he's just, it's just a story. If you're not sure, then ask him to reveal himself to you. 
He is alive and he can do that. He has the ability to do that. He has the authority to do that. Uh, many people around Jesus at the time were walking with him and they still weren't sure who he was. And that's why they were thinking, well, is he of God or is he of evil? But he is the king of kings. If you continue reading the Gospel of Mark to the end, you will find out what Jesus went through for you and I. He was humiliated, he was beaten, he was crucified, his blood was shed for you and I. He didn't go through it for no reason. He was a holy man. He had every right to judge the people around him. He has every right to do so. But he didn't want to condemn people. He didn't come walking on this earth to condemn people. And still, he doesn't want to condemn you. He doesn't want to judge you. All he wants to do is to have his arm open and he's calling you to come to him so that he can embrace you and tell you how much he loves you. He can break through your house and come in, but that's not what he wants to do. He's not about forcing things. It's all about you making that decision, saying, Jesus, I want you because I need you. I want to encourage you, if you're not a Christian here this morning, listen to him. Ask him into your hearts. Open your hearts to him. And all he wants to do is to be your friend. He says that if you open the door, he will come and eat with you. In the culture of the time, and still, eating is friendship. He wants to be your friend. He doesn't want to come in and say, you did this right, you did this wrong. He wants to become your friend so that he can take your hand and walk you through a wonderful journey. It's not going to be easy all the time, but it's wonderful. As we've heard Raj quoting, I think from Narnia, he's good, but he's not safe. Is that right? I remember it. He's not safe, but he's great. He's loving. He's compassionate. He has compassion on all of us. And then, not only that, he wants to give you the authority that he has so that you can go and do the works that he did. So that you can go and pray for the sick, as we did this week, and we saw a healing, an amazing healing. You will get to hear about it. Moshtaba, who's been complaining from a backpack, from a disc, slip disc, who wasn't even able to bend just a bit, we prayed for him in Jesus' name, and he was able to bend completely. He is now able to walk straight. It, it's a bit strange for me to, walk, to see him walking straight because he's not been able to do that for so long. But then there was a breakthrough, not because we were good, not because we had the power, or not because we were good people that week, because Jesus loves to do this and because we did it in his name so that he could be glorified. Now, Mushtaba is healed, which is great, but it's not about me or the people who prayed for him. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus, and all the glory goes to him. And you know what? He loves to do that day by day. He wants to do that every day. And today is the day. We had some words of wisdom for healing. If it's you, please don't hold back, because our God is great. And I have every confidence that he wants to heal you. Because this is what the Bible says. This is what I've seen in my life and I've seen in the lives of many people around. So if you need to be healed, if you need healing, come and speak to one of us. If the words were about you, please don't hold back. The fear and shame is not of God. He wants to release you. He wants to free you. And he wants to equip you with all that he has for you. So I want to encourage you 
to, not to hold back and come and be prayed for. Now, Jesus says, how can Satan cast out Satan? If you're passing judgment on me, that I am his co-worker, then doesn't it just make sense to you that I am not? Because why should, if I am of Satan, why should I cast out demons? Because if they cast out, they need another place to go and live. So the mind is preoccupied. The mind of people around him is so preoccupied with thinking the way that they want to think. But God clearly says in his word that the way he thinks is so different from the way that we do. The way he sees things is so different from the way we, we see. He has a large perspective. He sees everything, whereas we can only see a limited amount because we're human beings. But if we are led by him and if we trust in him, that's all he's asking for. And the problem of having notes is you wander away from them and you don't know where you left off. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus says that nobody can enter a strong man's house because he's strong. So you can't enter it, but, or unless, you bind him first. So it's a bit harder to go into the house of a strong person, but it's not impossible. So Jesus is warning us. He's saying that if you are relying on your own strength, fair enough, you might be able to stand for a, for a week, two, a year or two, but then sooner or later you will be defeated because you will be bound and the enemy will come into your house. He will take over and he will be the master. But if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you know him as your king, then you're not a strong man anymore. You are the strongest hidden in Christ. So you don't have to worry about the enemy. You don't have to worry that, well, I'm strong, but I only have so much power. Because Jesus is all-powerful. There is no one on heaven or earth who is more powerful than him, who has more authority than him. Some people take refuge in spirituality, in religion, so that they can be protected from the enemy. But let me tell you this. If it's not pointing to Jesus, then it's not of God. If it's not pointing to Jesus as the Lord and Savior, if it's not pointing to Him as the King of Kings, then it's not of God. And if it's not of God, it belongs to Satan. So if you're trying to take refuge in spirituality, then I can guarantee it will fail you. There is only one person, there is only one person who will guarantee that you will be safe in his hands, and it's Jesus Christ. And that's why we have people from many different backgrounds, but we all rejoice, because we know our past, sometimes not so great, but doesn't really matter, because Jesus has washed it with his blood, and we know our future, because we are held in his hands. Uh, I don't know where I read this, but uh, it was a quote uh, saying that if Satan reminds you of your past, remind him of your future. So what you need to do is to make sure that your future is safe. And to do that, you need to believe in Jesus. You need the king of kings to accept you into his family, to accept you in in his kingdom. And if the king of kings is your father, what does that make you? 
prince and princesses. So the same authority that he has is passed on to us. So to ensure that our future is guaranteed safely in his hands, we need to believe in him. And every time Satan comes to you, just remind him who you belong to. That's all you need to do. Sometimes we might get a bit fussed with Satan. We might get a bit fussed with demons. Oh, let's cast this out. Let's do this and let's do that. What did Jesus do? He didn't make a big fuss. He just said, get out. It's not a place for you. I command you to go out. Sometimes we can be so fussed that we blame Satan for every single thing. Like last week, I had a flat battery after we finished church and I went to switch my car on and surprisingly... Uh, it didn't start, so I knew it was the battery, and I thought, hmm, I could blame Satan for this. Um, it's, it might be his work, but then no, I remembered it was my fault, because it had happened in the past, and I didn't care of it. I didn't take, it, my, take my car to a mechanic to sort it out. So sometimes we might get fussed about it and say every single thing that goes wrong is of Satan. But we shouldn't get obsessed with this, really, because it's not. He tries to to take over our lives, but that's only if we allow him to do so. Because every chain has been broken in Jesus' name, and he doesn't have the authority over your life, unless you invite him back and say, look, I enjoyed my life with you more than I do with Jesus, so why don't you come and take over? Which doesn't happen very often, because once you live with the king of, king of kings, once you see the blessings that he has for you, you don't want to get away from him. Once you, you, you receive his love and compassion, then you want more of it. This is why we are people of expectations. We expect him to do great things because we've seen it once or twice or thousands of times and we still want more because it's so great. Because it's not something that you would be satisfied with. It's something that you want to see more and more. You want to see in the streets. You want to see it happening at church. And that's why we are on a commission. Once we see it happening with Mushtaba, once we're seeing happening at church, we want to see it on the streets. We want to pray for people. We want to pray for the sick and for the broken to be healed on the streets of Teesside and the nations. And as a church, we are called to do this. Right. I'm going to move on quickly because we're going to break bread together as well. Uh, another point that Jesus makes here uh, is to do with his family. Sometimes he really goes against the culture of the time. So, I mean, he spoke to the Samaritan woman. He sat on the well and spoke to her. And his disciples came and they were furious. Not only she's a woman, she's a Samaritan. We're not supposed to speak to her because we're Jewish. And his disciples knew that there was something different about him. And what he does here again, he redefines the family. In a culture where family is so important, where family is a community that you will never get out unless you want to die, unless you want to be known as a person who is cursed, he comes and redefines it. They come to him and say, your brothers and mother are waiting for you. What does he say? He says, these are my brothers and my mother. And he looks to the people around him. This was a total shock to people around him. Because family was so important. You stick to one another regardless of what. You stick together. You're one of the most important units in the whole society. How could you say, these are my brothers and my mother? People weren't happy with it other than those who were around him because they were broken, because they wanted something of him. 
They were following him because they had needs. And I was just so glad to hear somebody in the society had accepted them into their lives. Somebody said, you are my brother. Whereas they would walk on the streets and won't look at them because they're needy, because they, they have needs, because they're sick. And this might happen today, even in here, in this nation. Sometimes people don't want to do anything with those who are a bit different, those who are needy, those who have needs. People don't want anything to do with them. But I'm glad that as a church, we have this in our DNA. People who are poor, people who are needy, people who are broken, people with different pasts, they're welcomed here. And we have this in our DNA as a church, and we do this in many different ways. Regardless of what people's backgrounds are, they are welcomed in this family because Jesus welcomed them. So the people that were around him didn't have any hope, any hope of being invited to someone's house because who would want to hang around with them? People who went around him had no hope whatsoever to be included in a family. But Jesus redefines the family. He says, whoever does the will of my father is my brother. So whoever walks with God is in the family of Jesus Christ. His family were not happy because they thought, well, what about us? We have that blood connection. But it's not important. It doesn't really matter. What's important is your heart, who you believe in, and who you walk with. And if you do the will of God, you will do the work of Jesus Christ. Because he said, I came to do the will of God. I didn't come just out of having nothing better to do. I came so that I could do the will of the Father. And if you do that today, you are his family. Family is really important in the Middle East. It's important to be united together, no matter what. Even if somebody makes a horrendous mistake, you, you still support them. doesn't really matter what they've done. They've murdered, you will go and support them. No, he hasn't. Or yes, he has, and he is so, he, he did it rightly. The other person deserved it. So you have to stick to one another. And it was the same in the time of Jesus. He had to stick to his family, although they thought he's insane, they thought he's crazy, they thought he's odd. They, they came to take him away because they wanted him as part of their family. But he said, no, 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 these things doesn't really matter. My family is this. And this is the same for me. Because sometimes my family tell me, why can't you just have a normal life? <laughs> why can't you just live a normal life as other people do? Why can't you just live now that you're away and you're safe? Why can't you just live a normal life? And I will tell them, a normal life, I don't have a definition of that, but what I do is living with Jesus. So sometimes they're not very happy. They call me a few times and I can't answer because we're doing this and that, and then you ring them back and say, they're worried. And when you tell them we were worshipping or we were doing this or we were at church or we were in the community having fun with the children of God, they would say, why can't you just have a normal life, my son? Why, why don't you just stay at home? Go to work, come back home just as other people do. I mean, come on, look around yourself. Aren't there any other people who live a normal life? And I will tell them, yes, there are many who you would call normal, but I would call lost. There are many who would need Jesus, and this is why I'm here. It's not by accident. God brought me here, and I am open to him. 
to work through me. So if you have a definition of normal, let me tell you, Jesus will change this definition. But if you want to live with him, then he will define what normal is. He will also define what supernatural is. And he will show you it. He won't just tell you what it is. He will show you what supernatural is. So we are here to live supernatural lives. So if your family sometimes pick on you, if, if they don't believe in Christ, pick on you that you're spending too much time doing other stuff or you're not a normal person, tell them, well, they, that's what they said to Jesus too. But what did he do? He redefined family. This is my family. And I truly mean that from the bottom of my heart. God brought me away from my family, but then he gave me an even greater family. I have many brothers and sisters here, and I have a mom and dad. <laughs> and this, is the, this should be the same for all of us. If you belong to Jesus, this is your family. This is the community. This is where, united together, we are walking to do the will of God. This is where the supernatural takes place. I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about us. In our hearts, we are connected and we are on a mission together. God has called us to do so many things. And I know that God, in, God didn't bring me here just to have a safe life, just to live safely and be normal. God brought me here so that I could see people coming to Christ, people from many different nations. God brought me here to Teesside so that I could see people from Teesside coming to Christ. And I long to see that day. I long to see that happening more and more. I long to see God at work in the streets of Teesside. Because you know what? When it starts in Teesside, which it already has, it won't just stay around. It will burst and it will go beyond the borders. And one day, it will go to many different nations that are closed, like my home country, Iran. And I believe that God is preparing us for that. So God is not limited to borders that we create for ourselves. God is not limited to the box that we have in our mind. He is all-powerful, and he is our Father. He is the King of kings. So if you don't believe in him today, I want to encourage you to think about it. Give him a few moments. Just ask him to come and fill your heart. Just ask him to come and show you what it means to live with him. And if you want to do that today, please come and speak to one of us in the front. We'd love to pray with you. I think it's time for us to break bread together. I, oh, thank you. thank you. We're going to break bread together. This is what Jesus has commanded us to do. We're going to do that in remembrance of his blood that was shed for us and his body that was broken for us. It's so precious to us. If you don't believe in him, this is the only part that we would ask you not to take part with us because it's so precious to us. However, if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please do take part with us. Come and join us. I want to encourage you not to get into groups, uh, however large or small. Go and take the bread and wine or grape juice, and go to somebody you don't know, pray with them, and have it together. Can I also ask the band to come up so that we can sing songs together and worship? Sure. Okay, we're going to bring the youth and the children back in for breaking bread, so we want you to, as parents,